0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Here we are, week three of our series, The Advancing Gospel. Can you say with me, reach far. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to do like actions today, because it's week three. And you guys are loose, and it's cold, and you need some exercise. Reach far. Reach far. Raise up. There we go. Release what? You're more obedient than my kids, I can promise you that. (laughs) Um, We have been in the series now for two weeks, and essentially this is about the advancing gospel. This is about what we believe as a local church God is calling us to and creating vision and bringing clarity so that we all know we're on the same page. We spoke the first week about reaching far, that God has called us to be a part of those who reach those far from God. And it challenges T-Rex living, Because there's nothing in the Bible that presents God as this God with short arms. He is generous. He is giving. He gave his son on a cross to die with arms open wide. And we get pulled into that story to become like him. That we reach far beyond our comfort zones, beyond our suburbs, beyond the smallnesses of our lives. And, and here's what matters. It's, it's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. What it's worth. It's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. And the whole world stopped for a moment because of 12 little Thai kids stuck in a mine. Not a mine. They were stuck underground. And the whole world jumped and a man gave his life trying to get to them. And SEAL teams were flown in and the best of the best. And Elon Musk is jumping trying to make a difference. Why? And no one did an article, is it worth it? All these millions of dollars and airplane flights. And is it worth it? No one did that article because everyone was on board that it was worth it. And sometimes at the church, we got to get on board and say, it's worth it. We forget the worth of one soul pulled from darkness into light. We forget the worth of that, and we have to be reminded. And part of that is moving from T-Rex living into God's kingdom and representing him in this life. And then we're reminded, and actually it's a raise-up story, that we aren't here, and the church don't exist to entertain Christians, that we get to heaven one day, and God will say, well done, church. You kept each other busy, so now we can have fun. He said, no, I'm pulling into my story. I'm taking you from darkness into life. I'm taking you from brokenness into wholeness so that you become part of the perichoresis, the dance of the Trinity. You become part of that and you get pulled into a story. But part of the implication of that is you're going to go on a journey of growing up. Because to come close to Jesus is to become like Jesus. And in becoming like Jesus, there's a transformation of every single person that needs to happen. No one comes out the womb like Jesus. Just... I've never met that person. I've been in church most of my life. Tyler, no. And um, we all go on a journey of becoming like Jesus, but we get raised up. And I believe as a church, there's a commitment that God's calling us. Would we raise every person up? Would we invest in every person? Would we disciple people beyond? Even if they are before Christ and before making the decision, would we disciple them? Would we invest our lives into people so that they pulled into a kingdom counting story? But today is exciting because... I want to speak about something that I believe is something of my masa. Chris Venant told me it's the thing that burns inside of you. It's the releasing of the church into areas of influence of the world. Maybe it's because I spent nine years in a corporate working my... Can you say backside off? You can, eh? We go. Thank you. I got that note. Thank you. But, but doing that and, and selling products people didn't need and getting children hooked to sugar. I sold ice creams. My job was literally to get children consuming more sugar. Confession moment. It's all out there. But I'm passionate about the potential. When, when I felt God calling me to leave that space and going into ministry, to be honest, I really wrestled it. Not because I had a low view of ministry, but I had a very high view of what it is to be a son and daughter of the living God out in the world, in the everyday reality, accessible and making our lives accessible to those around us. I had a really high view of that. I loved being in that space, to be honest. I, I, I said to my wife, she said, why do you need to go play touch rugby? I said, I need to play touch rugby because I'm with Christians all the time and they don't swear around me. So I enjoy being there to be in the brokenness of the world, exposed to someone and reminded that that's our mission field. And release wide is a reminder to us as a church and a placing that in the center of the visions and the values of us as a church and as a people that God has not called us to be raised, to be reached, And to be raised so that we can do great church on a Sunday. It's not why we're here. It's not the marker. I don't think God's ever going to go, how well did you do church on a Sunday? God's going to go, did you go after the broken? Did you go to the lost? Were you releasing people into spheres of influence? So this young lady gets up and tells a story about Zimbabwe. And people go, oh, nice that you're impacting Zimbabwe. What you don't know is she's a single lady in her 20s leading an alpha team into the prison of our city every Friday morning. Why? Because that's what the church was made for, to change our world and to be released. And, and I love speaking about this. I want to tell you that there's a problem, and the problem is often the church. The church is not the end. It's not the goal. Churches, I'm just a fuel tank attendant here to fill up your tank with something of the word to teach and encourage like Malcolm did and like others have done. So that there's a journey beyond these four walls and beyond the perimeters and beyond the safety zones of our gathering. There is a journey of effectiveness and life change and transformation that every believer, not just the privileged few, I believe every believer is pulled into. It doesn't matter what you spend your daytime doing. And so when we sat down as a leadership and said, we're going to hang our hats on three things that we're going to say yes to in a big way, when we spoke about release-wide, there were these three kind of thoughts that popped onto the board. And actually, those are my three points today. Number one, the kingdom over, over church, kingdom of God over the church, and I'll explain it so I don't get nervous. A, suburb, a city over suburb. And the thirdly, it's risk over safety. I want to tell you that there's a journey like I spoke about. There's this journey of going through the, the sea that parts. As Moses said, God does a miracle and allows his people to part through the sea. I want to tell you it's a picture of salvation. What you and I could never do, God made a way a sea parted and we walked through. The problem is, I believe too many believers stop after that journey and never do the next journey, which is crossing a river in flood into inheritance. And part of releasing what is making sure that as believers, we are going on the necessary journeys that God has for us. I don't believe God places the Exodus story in the Bible just to leave us there. Great story. Manna. I mean, I've had so many conversations around manna with my boys. They just don't get it. Judah's like, no. What's manna? But it wasn't about the manna. It wasn't about the journey. It was about the journey God was taking on his people. Why? Because he had an inheritance for them. And all too often in this world, inheritance is about what am I going to get so I can squander. But in the Bible terms, inheritance was land given so you could plow it and be fruitful. In the Bible terms, inheritance was a field to plow so that there could be a fruitfulness to your life and my life. And it remains available to us. But it demands the going through the sea, salvation. It also demands crossing some rivers in flood with faith. That demand you're putting in your feet into the water before the river separates all the way back up to Adam. God takes the river all the way back up to the first brokenness of man so that we could cross through. We've got to cross some Jordans in our life so we can inherit what God has for us. And I'm telling you, that journey is a journey of believing I am a son and daughter of the living God and I'm called to make a difference in this world. I'm not called to fill pews on Sundays. I'm not called to fill up my time with meetings at church. I am called to get filled up in those moments so that I can go out and beyond and partake in a glorious story called the gospel that changes the world. I'm rather excited. Some of you like, help him, Jesus. Thank you. Keep praying. But but as we navigate this journey, we understand it demands a few things. And I want to give you some of the lenses. The first one is... Kingdom over church. What do I mean? Well, can I read you a quote? And maybe this will help you. It's by a guy named Howard Snyder. The church gets in trouble whenever it thinks it's in the church business rather than kingdom business. In the church business, people are concerned with church activities, religious behavior, and spiritual things. In the kingdom business, people are concerned with kingdom activities, all human behavior, and everything God has made visible and invisible. Kingdom people see human affairs as saturated with spiritual meaning and kingdom significance. Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God and its justice. Church people often put church work above concerns of justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the church change the world. If the Church has one great need, it is this to be set free from the kingdom of God, set free for the kingdom of God, to be liberated from itself as it has become in order to be itself as God intends. the church might be freed, must be freed to participate fully in the economy of God I mean I know that 's a loss, but a lot, but come on it 's got to challenge us it 's got to challenge comfort it 's got to challenge this notion that mark You need a fast and I'm going to reap the benefits of your fasting or my life group leader or someone really holy until we realize you are holy because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If you've received his blood, been washed by his love, every stain washed away, you are pulled into his story. Their biggest challenging line from that is church people change the church, kingdom people change the world. I want to change the world. And I believe I'm called to it. I sign off most of my SMSs or WhatsApps or emails for years, even when I was in the marketplace, take over the world. If you have received a message from me, you, you know that. Why? Because I honestly believe God didn't pluck us out of the world to place us in some sort of kibbutz understanding of Christianity because that won't affect the ones God sent us and sent his love and sent his son to die for. For God so loved the world, not for God so loved the church. For God so loved the world. So it has to change some of our thinking. It has to unblock some of the limitations. It has to loosen some of the roadblocks that happen in our thinking. And sometimes, unfortunately, we've been taught in church. And God's got to undo that stuff. The message of Jesus, he kept saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He gets the servant of the mount, says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He keeps talking about this kingdom, this kingdom story. And he pulls us into his kingdom story. He says the primary place of the kingdom comes in the heart. And he establishes that for us. I want to tell you the kingdom of God, if it sounds foreign to you. it also called the kingdom of heaven many times in the gospels. It's just the realm of God's domain. George Ladd put it this way. The kingdom of God is his kingship, his rule, his authority. It is not a realm or a people, but God's reign. The kingdom of God is not the small plot of land. And the small plot of land called View Church and the small plots of land called Methodist and the small plots of land called the Anglicans. And it's not that. The kingdom of God is everywhere you and I are. Why? Because I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And every time I walk into a room, it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a son of the living God and I'm being with him like Gabe spoke about. When I walk into a room of people whose marriage is messed up, I believe something can change, not because of my skill set, not because of understanding, not because I've got this rocking marriage. I believe it can change because when sons and daughters of the living God who have delegated authority in this world walk into rooms and environments, atmospheres change in the same way they did when Jesus walked in. If we've been with him, if we understand what that means for us, if you understand what that means for you, It changes everything because the kingdom of God is not some distant understanding. It's not just heaven. It's now on this earth. It's advancing. And he says, actually, will you advance? What does this mean for us as a church is actually my job is to keep pushing you out. Out. My job is to keep celebrating. I don't want to highlight it because some of it's not all common knowledge, but Two young guys in our church are stepping out with young families, stepping into a new business venture, full of faith and courage. To me, I celebrate it just as much as a church being planted. I'm telling you. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. Because jobs will be created. Because people who had no hope can encounter hope. Because men and women are stepping into more of what God has for them. But we have to get that understanding, and we've often got it wrong. The pinnacle of church is, well, if you really grow, then we'll let you lead a life group. And if you really grow up then, then what, you might become a leader in the church. No, if God's called you to that journey, and if God's blessed you and graced you with giftings for that journey, then awesome. But maybe he's graced you to be an accountant. Oh, well, I'm an accountant. What can I do for Jesus here? Start a prayer meeting. Well, yes, that's cool, but it's not all you can do. You can bring integrity into an economic system that's under pressure and you can stand for truth and righteousness and justice. You can support your boss and give clarity when he is lacking clarity. You can bring wisdom, godly wisdom and strategy into work scenarios that have no hope. I've told this story before, but one of my friends named Kai Roening, he was in my home group at the time and now he's a big shot director in a very big multinational company. But about 14 years ago, he was in my home group sitting on my couch every Tuesday night. And he was a low-level manager in SAB. And he came to me on a Friday morning, on a Friday afternoon, he phoned me and said, Mark, I'm, I'm broken. I said, why? He said, no, I've just handed 15 men and women. I've just handed 15 bread winners for their families retrenchment papers. And it's killing me. I said, well, what do you do now? He says, well, I don't know. He said, Well, I think you should just go to God and see maybe God's got away. And he did that. And on Sunday morning before church at about 8 o'clock, I got a phone call from Kyruna. I said, Hey, how's it? He said, Mark, I feel like we can save the jobs. I said, What do you mean? Well, I had a dream last night of how we could save the jobs. What do I do with it? So I said, Well, try to get a hold of your HR director. Don't start with these three words, four words. I had a dream. It might have worked for Joseph. It might have, it doesn't work these days. Just say, I feel like we can save the jobs because I believe every man and woman have so much, something of God and some they can save jobs. You know, he brought that strategy and every single one of those jobs was saved. Every single one of them. Why? Because when he walks in there, he doesn't walk in as an engineer. He doesn't walk in there as a strategist. He walks in there as a son of the living God with authority from heaven to bring heaven on earth. And heaven on earth looks like job creation. Heaven on earth looks like justice. Heaven on earth looks like mercy. Heaven on earth looks like throwing people, throwing selfishness aside and feeding the poor. Heaven on earth looks like the kingdom of God advancing. And he uses engineers and he uses accountants and he uses teachers and he uses social workers and he uses stay-at-home parents. He'll use whoever will say yes. I told you I was passionate about this one. I went... On Friday, my wife and I had um, time for a day off, which was amazing. So we drove into town and went outside. This is not a plug for someone's business in the church, but it is. And um, a young couple in this church, he's in the corporate world, and she was a, a chef at a very fancy restaurant, decided to step out. And they bought a struggling business in the city called Como Cafe, which is in town. And a struggling business has been turned around, and I sat there watching her operate, and I saw the perfection of the work, because she's a baker. She's a, what do you call that? Pastry chef, what he said. And, um, and I watch people receiving life, and you might say, well, she's just trying to, it's all about an income. No, it's not. She's employing people. She's creating jobs. She's blessing people in the city. There's an opportunity to minister And I'm sitting there going, thank you, Jesus, that people be a part of a releasing wide story so the kingdom of heaven can come, so that lives can be transformed, that there are signposts in the middle of our city. Because I'm telling you, where she is, because she's a daughter of the living God, there's the presence of God. There's every chance for transformation. There's every chance for change. Because she's there. Not because she's a pastry chef. And um, the tragedy... It's often the church face fails to see the world as a mission field because meetings and moments like this get our attention, and these should get our attention. I'm not trying to minimize, minimize at all what God does when the church gathers. Actually, all I'm trying to do is elevate the mission field and remind us that God's called us to a release-wide story. It's not the pastor's privilege, the preacher man, the man of God. They must do the God stuff. I am an accountant. It's every son or daughter called the priesthood of all believers who are pulled into a story where we aren't alone. God is with us. Jesus pulls his disciples, says, now go. You know what he never said to them? You're going to go. There's going to be a pension fund. We're going to put some house. Along the way, there's going to be great Airbnbs. Guys are going to throw Maseratis at us as we drive around preaching the gospel. No, he just said, go, and I will be with you. Our response is to go knowing the king of glory who was seated on his throne amidst the winds and the storm is with us as we go and we pioneer and we understand. I mean, I don't think when Joseph was sitting in jail going, this is not cool. I don't think he ever had in his mind that he would one day be second in charge to Pharaoh of the land that he was a prisoner of. And yet God did it because he was a son of God. God gave him a dream. He found courage in the call of God to minister to a land. And he was pulled into a bigger story to influence a nation. What could God do with you or I? I just want everything God has for me. I'm finding a holy ambition for the things of God rising up inside of me that sometimes as Christians, we are far too humble for our own good. And I'm telling you that humbleness is actually a shadow for pride because we don't want to stick our head up. And God's saying, I want you to stick your head up because I will be with you as you invest, as you plow, as you take ground in the spaces and places everyone else is running away from. You airily are looking at me like this. <laughs> what did he have for breakfast? And um, accounts and teachers, cleaners, stay-home parents, sportsmen, preachers, social workers, we are all kingdom and gospel advances. Point number two, city over suburb, all I'm saying here is, and we say it all the time in the life of this church, you were not made and pulled out of darkness into light to settle for safe, sanitized, secluded Christianity. If that's what you're looking for, this isn't that house. I'm just telling you. And I'd rather tell you now than you invest time and hours. God has pulled us into a story where actually it's not about the safety of our own suburbs where people are like us and economics are the same and we feel safe. So we're not challenged by having to challenge the rich. And we're not challenged by those and their brokenness. God's saying, I am building a house where everyone from any suburb will gather. I am building a house where different colors, different creeds, different everything will come together. Why? Because all of that will bow its knee to the king of ages. And in that story, you're going to understand that I'm going to send you on a story. And I'm going to give you a mandate called the Great Commission. And I'm going to say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Not can I say it? The Europeans make disciples of Europeans. The, the Asians make disciples of Asians. That would have been much easier logistically. But God always had a bigger plan. God always wanted to reveal his glory. He always built differently to the ways of this world. And God's got to get into the smallness of our lives and shake us up a little bit and say, it's fine that you live where you live because God has appointed that. But understand, your, your impact, your greatest impact is often beyond the borders of what you see as a safe zone. I don't know how else to tell you. I don't know how else to tell you. I came here to preach the gospel in Cape Town when no one knew who I was. I took over a man who was a lot like Jesus. I mean, if you know Wally, you look at him, you want to cry. It's like, you think he's just reading your every dirty thought. It's like, stop looking at me. But I know God has called me. And I know he's called you here. And some of you live in Parklands and West Beach and and, and South in in, in the peninsula and Atlantic Beach and Boss, God has placed you. He's released you for a gospel story. I don't know what your background, your brokenness is, but I'm telling you our default is to be like Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're standing there, and and it's all good. In Matthew 17, and Jesus' face is shining like the sun. It's all good. And what is their response? Lord, it is good for us to be here. It's good for us to be here. It's good for us to be here. On the mountain, away from those dirty people down there. He says, if you wish, I'll put up three shelters, a little sales pitch, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Jesus went, hmm, nice idea, but we weren't made for that. I've revealed my glory to you, so you can take it out to the moken and the Ruth. And the very next story, a demon-possessed boy gets healed. And if they'd stayed on the mountain, what would happen to the demon-possessed boy? I I want to challenge you. I want to call you. I want to remind you that actually we're all on the same story. And we're pulled into that story. And it is glorious. And our suburbs often tend to, and and I'm just using them as an analogy. Your suburb isn't the problem. My T-Rex heart is. And yours sometimes. All I'm saying is God's called us beyond the boundaries of safety. The last one is risk over safety. I have a best mate who's an accountant. He has been trained his whole life to see risk. So when I told him that I was going to leave the safety of the corporate world and go into ministry, his first response to me was, and I could see it, his whole mind in a split second did like a whole account of How are you going to send your kids to private school? I'm not using it. I'm not blighting him at all. He loves me. He cares for me. And in that moment, we've had the conversation. His fear was revealed. And I got to say to him, I'm not limiting anything. I'm just trusting God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I ask people all the time, what do you think that means? Because for the first 32 years of my life, I thought it was like, yo God, you're the guy. Hello, your name. It doesn't mean that. When Moses is leading God's people and he smacks the rock twice instead of once, and he speaks harshly to God's people, the word used is, you will not inherit the land and enter the promised land because you did not hello my name. You didn't trust me. God's looking for a people who would trust him on the borders and the boundaries of our safe zones and beyond. And he hasn't pulled you from a store of brokenness to keep you safe for himself in heaven. He wants you to burn the light that he's placed inside of you on this side of eternity. And it's going to be risky, but he promises I will be with you. And I spent a day with Louise and Darren, who was here this morning. And we drove to three different rehab centers on the west coast. Aliyada, Woman of Hope, and Hope, uh, Hope Farm. And I got to see the place with this amazing lady who jumps around like she's been plugged into a whole bunch of voltage while worshiping. But 11 years ago, there was a story of healing on a rehabilitation farm in the middle of nowhere because a couple who were high up in IT world, left that world to respond to the call of God to invest their lives into drug addicts who had no hope and families are given up of so their only option was to send them off to a farm. And I get to receive the grace of this life because people responded to a release-wide call. They responded to a call that didn't look like safety. It didn't look like safety. There was no promise on safety. And then I go to another house and I meet the man who I didn't know was the guy that Jacques stole his car. And when he found Jacques and said, did you steal my car? Jacques said, yes. He said, it's okay. And in that moment, Jacques encountered the grace of God. But you're looking at a Durban suburban white boy who's never done drugs. And I found my heart broken in this world of addiction because people need us. And it's not about your background or your privilege or your experience. It's about have you been with Jesus? Because then you've got something to give. Don't limit what God has called because of safety. Because Psalm 2, he says, he said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. And we make our suburbs and safety the boundary zones of our lives. We will never inherit the nations. I have an inheritance in the nations of the world because my father is the king of the nations. And it's not about getting on a plane and going somewhere. It's about the heart that loves the nations to see the nations. It's a heart opened up from small living to kingdom living. And understanding that I have an authority to play a part in that, that when a young lady gets on a plane to fly Zimbabwe, it's not just a feel good adventure. It's not Christian tourism it's the kingdom of god advancing because hearts are opening up to a kingdom story so that the king can come and people there go people would come to us to encourage us but actually they come back with stories about men who adopt four kids in the midst of economic recession and challenge my passion is to see sons and daughters of god embracing the bigness Of the call of God in their lives. My passion is to see the lies stripped off. The smallnesses and the ceilings come off. That's my passion. I I don't want my memory to be about a great preacher. I really don't. I want to sit at some of your stories. From businesses planted out of faith. To children raised in tough times. When social media is a lure and they sit and they speak at your 50th wedding anniversary about parents who showed them what it was to journey a faith journey. Can I say about the fast? Don't leave your kids out. What do I mean? Let them fast. They'll be okay without TV for three days. They'll be okay without cocoa Pops or social media. They'll be okay. But don't just do it as a disciplining them thing. Do it as a taking them on a faith journey. Explain to them. Teach them who we are. Because you know what happens when they see the miracles happen? And we're going to see miracles. But when they see the miracles happen, they'll know they were a part of a kingdom advancing story. They have a part to play. Don't wait for them to become adults to find that out. Take them on the journey with you. And... um, I want to tell you this as I'm not trying to build down the pulpit at all. I'm not trying to, but kingdoms aren't built by priests. Kingdoms are built by kings. And as you go out into the marketplace with the authority of God, you are both priest and king in that environment. The priesthood of all believers, but you are also a king with authority in your life, a queen with authority in your life to bring change, to see change coming to bring the heaven on earth, to see the kingdom of God advance. Please don't believe the lie that you are just here to fill up seats. It's too small. And it would be a heartbreaker for me that that was the end of our story. The belief is this, you're a daughter and a son of the living God. And whether you are from a foreign nation and here because of challenges in your nation, whether you are from here and you think you're just here because of circumstance, it's all too small. Just say yes to Jesus. Like the disciples did. All terms off. All challenges off. Just say yes to Jesus. Reach far. Start here. Raise up. It's here. Release what? It's here. It's hearts that are captivated by Jesus. It's hearts that realize the kingdom of God is not like our world. The kingdom of God is different. Comes with the kingdom of God is this promise I will be with you. I look at a very senior man in a franchising world impacting different nations. I'm going, God hasn't called you just to know about him in that place. Oh, I'm so glad I've got someone I know about in that place or knows about me. No, he's called you to bring change there. And I look across his rooms and they're teachers, and there's creative people, and there's stay home parents. Allow God to lift off the ceiling, not so that you can get profiled, that he can get the glory. Will you stand with me as I pray for you? We've had an amazing morning together, but the response is to go and take steps from this place. The response is to go write down every limitation you believe lives on your life, and then draw a line through it, and with big red ink, write the name Jesus. Because it changes everything.